Orthodox icon of Deborah. After Ehud died, the people of Israel again did what the Lord considered evil. So, the Lord used King Jabin of Canaan, who ruled at Hazor, to defeat them. The commander of King Jabin's army was Sisera, who lived at Harosheth Hagoyim. The people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. King Jabin had 900 chariots made of iron and had cruelly oppressed Israel for 20 years. Deborah, wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet. She was the judge in Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. The people of Israel would come to her for legal decisions. Deborah summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali. She told him, The Lord God of Israel has given you this order, gather troops on Mount Tabor. Take ten thousand men from Naphtali and Zebulun with you. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, his chariots, and troops to you at the Kishon River. I will hand him over to you. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Deborah replied, Certainly, I'll go with you. But you won't win any honors for the way you're going about this, because the Lord will use a woman to defeat Sisera. So, Deborah started out for Kadesh with Barak. Barak called the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali together at Kadesh. Ten thousand men went to fight under his command. Deborah also went along with him. Haver the Kenite had separated from the other Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, Moses' father-in-law. Haber went as far away as the oak tree at Zananim near Kadesh and set up his tent. The report reached Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had come to fight at Mount Tabor. So Sisera summoned all his chariots, nine hundred chariots made of iron, and all his troops from Harosheth Hagoyim to come to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, Attack! This is the day the Lord will hand Sisera over to you. The Lord will go ahead of you. So, Barak came down from Mount Tabor with ten thousand men behind him. The Lord threw Sisera, all his chariots, and his whole army into a panic in front of Barak's deadly assault. Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Harosheth Hagoyim. So Sisera's whole army was killed in combat. Not one man survived. God's word. Deborah was a leader, and a darn good one. And, to state the obvious, she was a woman. Women are the greatest and largest untapped resource in both the church and the world. Perhaps you wonder why I state such a thing, being that more women attend church than men, and that there's slightly more women in the world than men. But I stick to my statement. The reality for many churches and untold institutions around the world is that only men can hold positions of authority. Within some churches and Christian denominations, the reasoning goes something like this, the Bible says women can't serve over men. That's curious. So, in other words, in the West, a woman can serve as a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, can be elected as governor of a state, and can manage men on a factory floor, but that same woman cannot serve as an elder in many evangelical churches. Those who are of the belief that a church office is based upon gender instead of just good old calling and gifting of the Spirit, then, methinks, it behooves us to ask these questions of the biblical text. If women are not to exercise authority over men in the church, how do we account for actual women leaders in the Bible, such as Deborah, Huldah, Philip's daughters, Priscilla's role in Apollo's life, not to mention the list of women leaders in Romans 16? If our impulse is to say that these are exceptions because there were no men to step up, then what does that say about our theology? That God isn't big enough to find a man to put into a position of leadership? 
If we insist that women ought not to teach and be silent based on Paul in the New Testament book of 1 Timothy, why do we ignore Paul's instruction in 1 Corinthians that women are to publicly prophesy and pray? Doesn't the prominence of women in the ministry of Jesus and Paul suggest something different than just having women tag along to teach children? Just when does a boy become too old for a woman to legitimately teach him? If women can't teach men, why in the world would we ever think that they are the best teachers for boys? How can we apply Galatians 3:26 to 28 as everyone else, besides women, are free to serve? Does the Reformation doctrine of the priesthood of all believers only apply to men? Doesn't the absence of women in church leadership go against this? Isn't it weird and confusing that women have an equal vote in congregational decisions, even when a male leader is being elected and or disciplined, and they aren't supposed to exercise authority? I could go on, ad infinitum ad nauseum, but I think you get the picture. The absence of women in leadership is problematic because there are actual women leaders in the Bible. So, here is my unabashed, dogmatic, and biblical belief. All individuals are equally created in God's image, and, therefore, have equal worth, privilege, and opportunity in Christ's church without any limitation, including gender. There are far too many wonderful Christian women who are exhausted and depressed because they are trying to live up to a certain expectation of being someone they are not. They suppress their gifts and calling. They think they have to prop up the fragile male egos around them. They aren't free to serve in leadership positions. And it's eating them from the inside out. Some women think there is something wrong with them. But the reality is that there is something wrong with the whole system of male-only authority. What's more, we are missing the blessing of God because of inequity. It's high time we value all women, even those with gifts of leadership, by allowing them to serve without limitation. I have a wife and three daughters. All four of them are more intelligent, more gifted, and better leaders than me, the lone family male who holds a range of authoritative positions in the church and the world. To have the ladies in my life using their superior talents in the church by leading and serving is the least threatening thing to me on this earth. I love it that they can outdo me, it is my joy. Even more than that, I believe it is to the joy of Jesus, as well. We must be proactive in cultivating and nurturing the gifts and calling we see in women. They don't need to be put in their place or dismissed as too emotional or weak. The good old boy systems of the church and in the world need a swift kick in the rear. I, for one, am a man who believes in practicing a leadership that sacrifices on behalf of making women's leadership a priority. How about you?